0: Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of
1: people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Ah yes, it's another edition of the MMA Outsiders. That's Zan Bando Albano. Welcome to episode 28. And Zan, we're coming off of one big weekend that was chock full of combat sports, MMA, boxing events all throughout the weekend. And now we're coming up, Zan, on another big weekend that features, well, a long-awaited return, Zan, of one John Bones Jones. At one point considered the most best pound-for-pound athlete in the sport of mixed martial arts. I know everybody's rejoicing with the Jake Paul Tommy Fury result. So, so much madness going on in combat sports. It's a very busy time right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, at the time of this recording, thankfully there has been no negative news about John Jones. Uh, knock on wood. This will be airing on Wednesday morning, so hopefully this entire thing doesn't blow up in flames by the time we're done talking about this. But yeah, well, I've literally- done the knock.
1: I've done the knock. I- I- I'm on wood right now, so.
0: Um, So we'll have that to to talk about, Um, but before we get into all of the news and notes in combat sports for this week as we are approaching the month of March, it's crazy to even think about that. Make sure to like and subscribe, Uh, share the MMA Outsiders uh, uh, social media, share Empty the Bench across social media. You can follow Empty the Bench Network at ETB Network. You can follow myself. At Sam Bando 99 on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find my work at com. I have a few new pieces coming out this week. You can find Tom's work over at Advance. I did MMA where he does a continuous week rate right job covering anything and everything that is fight night. So if you want to find out all the, uh, you can find his work there. You can find him at, at Thomas J. Albano and at Tom Talks Sports Night. Now that that's out of the way, Tom, let's, let's go into the. His fight, so obviously Tommy Fury uh, scoring a split decision win over Jake Paul in a very closely contested fight, a fight that had a lot of hype behind it, a fight that's been rescheduled several times, a fight that was dubbed the truth. So the truth of the matter is is that uh, Tommy Fury did take care of business. He did win the fight, um, and he won it kind of by beating Jake Paul at his own game. I thought he dominated most of the fight. Uh, pretty easily and didn't really have too many issues besides the eighth round knockdown. And even the point deductions uh, didn't faze him at all. Um, Overall, I thought the fight was really good. He used his distance well. He used his range well. He caught Paul with several nice shots, got him in difficult situations, um, tried to confuse him with wrestling, which you obviously can't do in boxing. And that kind of threw him off the second the fight started. And even though the referee was a little bit questionable at times, I do think that it was just enough to let the two guys fight. And it ended up being a great fight and just overall a fight that I thought lived up to all expectations and was not kind of the joke that people were setting it out to be. It was actually a very um, uh, entertaining fight, a well-played fight by both, and a fight that I thought lived up to the to the billing, even though there was no uh, knockout or anything like that. Um, so overall, I did think that Fury did enough to win the fight. And, uh, I thought 76, 73 was the right scorecard somewhere in there. I could argue 75, 74 for Paul, but outside of those two scorecards, um, I think that j- I just did get this one right by uh, having two out of the three, uh, say that Tommy Fury had won. So overall, what did you think of the fight? Did you agree with the scorecard and, um, would you be interested in seeing a potential rematch, uh. Between these two. uh, Now rivals if you will.
1: So. uh, Yes I did agree with the uh, judges. I actually had scored the fight. I think I had scored. Five to three. In terms of rounds. In favor of Fury. Uh, Zan I think you kind of nailed it. I was talking about it. During the uh, MMA Outsiders moment of mayhem. That dropped on Monday morning. That Jake Paul. was You said that Jake Paul was being at his own game. I think that. It's not that I think Jake Paul was facing an actual boxer for the first time. He was not facing some celebrity that was doing boxing like he was. He was not facing a washed up MMA fighter, let alone a washed up MMA fighter he was facing a legitimate boxer, a young, legitimate boxer who, mind you, Zan, is also the half brother, the younger half brother of the WBC heavyweight champion and arguably one of the best boxers in this sport today Tyson Fury Tommy Fury took control of that fight from the get-go he kind of needed to and i think he established that by getting the, and got the job done you had him you had him coming out right away trying to get control trying to display the power and threw shots wildly well not wildly but threw shots worked his jab and tried to throw uh, jake paul off his game i know there was a lot of complaining about too much grappling as you can kind of say too much clinch work and well i mean dan i i kind of have seen worse fights where with the clinch work
0: yeah um one of them that comes to mind in my opinion you'd have to go all the way back to over a decade ago when uh Floyd Mayweather fought Victor Ortiz. That would probably be the one of the worst displays of clinch work that anyone's ever seen, and one of the most controversial endings to a boxing match that people can remember. One that Dana White had a legendary, infamous rant about, with, where he not only ripped Joe Cortez's officiating, but also ripped with Larry Merchant. Asked Floyd Mayweather after the fight in a very famous one whiner that if he was. Fifty years younger, he kicked Floyd Mayweather's ass. Uh, there, there was there was nothing uh, there, there. There was nothing um, remotely the same at, at the end of the Jake Paul Tommy Fury festivities. But that was the first fight that could come to mind where I thought the clinch work really dis, uh, dictated the story of the fight. And you could argue that this one, in a lot of ways, also dictated the story of uh, Paul versus Fury. So that would be how I would compare those two. But nonetheless, both of their stocks rose tremendously. Um, as you had alluded to um the other day, uh when we were not on the air and we were having some technical issues that um, you know, that that these two it's gonna be interesting to see how these two did on pay-per-view, given that it was a Sunday afternoon card, given that there was a lot more on that they were competing with, uh college basketball being one thing, a bunch of NBA. It'll be interesting to see how The pay-per-view did, but overall, I thought it was a success for Saudi Arabia, and they got what they were working for.
1: Yeah, for sure. As I was alluding to before with my uh, match recap, so you had Tommy Fury coming out. You had him taking control of the fight right away. He, as you mentioned, Stan, worked his range and worked his distance. He did a lot of um, moving around the ring, did a lot of circling around the ring, trying to ensure that he wouldn't be in one place that he would kind of confuse Jake Paul. Uh, he did stop doing that and paid for it dearly in the third round because Paul got some nasty shots on in that round but then in the next round he picked back up where he was. They did have each have the one point deduction. Jake Paul got deducted a point in round 5. Tommy Fury got uh, deducted a point in round 6. And I mean excessive grappling on Fury's end and the rapid punching on Paul's end i mean yes technically those are fouls and yes technically you are you know after enough you take a point but i don't know i thought this referees and you kind of it was a little too trigger happy well as i think i made the comparison in the mma uh moment of mayhem it was kind of like a lost child or some deer in the headlights he didn't look like he had any idea what he was doing uh Basically, being the third man in the ring during a pretty big fight. Now, granted, this isn't a championship fight, it's not a number one contenders fight between two of the most legitimate boxers in the world. It's Jake Paul and Tommy Fury, but nevertheless, it's still a pay per view main event that people are paying to see. And we'll find out how much, I mean, well, we should find out how much, uh, how many pay per view buys, how well this did on pay per view. I think we're going to get very limited numbers. However, because this was an ESPN Plus pay-per-view card, and ESPN Plus generally does not give out any sort of information when it comes to the purchases, of pay-per-views. Um, other than that, Zan, I mean, Yuri just landed the harder punches. He landed the better. Tomorrow, turn from MMA judging, more effective striking. So I, I think yeah. the judge, right. I, I was scared. When that knockdown happened because I said, okay, this is going to allow for either a that because it would be a 10 8 round, it would allow for either a Paul to sneak out of victory or at a very or at the very least a draw. But other than that, I thought the judges got it right, thank goodness. Uh, as far as did I, if I want to see a rematch, I mean, it looks like Paul's all for a rematch. I know they've been throwing some other names out there, Zan. I know KSI has been talking a lot of crap, KSI has fought jake's brother logan on a couple of occasions nate diaz popping his head in saying that he wants to fight him kind of hinted when nate did his last ufc fight that he wanted to fight jake paul also uh there's also speaking of jake paul i mean uh, speaking of nate diaz an mma star there is also the fact that jake paul has signed a deal with the bfl and he's training for a mixed martial arts debut
0: yeah, that's also a good point. After um, that PFL video was released, kind of the talks of that whole thing died down. But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they continue to move forward with that and if he still remains an ambassador for them and actually competes in their super fight division. Because as if he does, I think it will draw a lot of intrigue. Um, no matter what, though, even in the loss, his stock rose because people watched the fight and they definitely cared about it. Oh, there's no way that Jake Paul loses any sort of uh, um, uh, popularity in any way. I think uh, this might be a win-win for him. And then obviously Tyson Fury revealed the other day to multiple sources that uh, Tommy got $4 million for for this fight. So he's going home with a happy payday.
1: Yeah, a win and $4 million. That's a very happy day at the office for one Absolutely. Tommy Fury. Um, as far as Jake Paul goes about his stock not dropping. I mean, there is an argument for that. There is also an argument that uh, uh, Mark Raimondi of ESPN, Nick Baldwin of The Score have put out that they think that Jake Paul is now in a situation after a loss like this and saying he wants a rematch and all that, that Jake Paul can't afford a loss in his next fight. That losing his next fight, dropping two straight, might be devastating, might be the end of his professional boxing career. I don't know if I would go with that last point, considering that, you know, the Paul brothers, I mean, Dylan Rush uh, kind of uh, said it when he joined us uh, about a month ago, that Jake Paul, the Paul brothers have brought more eyes onto the sport, whether we like it or not, whether purists like it or not. So I don't know if I'd say boxing career is ruined, but I do think two losses in a row, a loss here and a loss in a potential rematch to Fury, or whether it be a loss to, say, a KSI or somebody, might hurt. What do you think?
0: Uh, I don't agree with that for a second. I think as long as Jake Paul steps in the ring, people are going to buy his fights. Um, I think his charisma outweighs his actual fighting style and what he does outside the ring. And I think he's not a Conor McGregor, but he's a version of him where – you know Conor McGregor can fight anyone, and people will pay to see it because he's Conor McGregor. He's become that big of a superstar that it doesn't matter who he fights. If people see, see the name McGregor on the top of the bill, some eyebrows raised. And I think Jake Paul has slowly but surely gotten to the point where no matter who Jake Paul was in the ring against, um, people are gonna people are gonna pay to see it. So no, I don't agree with Merkley or Baldwin in saying that the end of his boxing career is near if he loses two in a row. Does it does it diminish some bigger fights that he could have in the future if he doesn't win his next fight? Sure, but to completely dismiss that his career is over, I don't say that for a second. He's still one of the biggest stars in all of boxing. Hell had he won this fight, he would have been ranked by the WBC for hanging out loud. of so that if that doesn't say something that I don't know what does no matter if you agree with that uh with that dis- by the WBC or whether or whether you don't that goes to show that the WBC wants to invest money in him they want to see him you know fight these marquee fights no matter if you if you think he deserves him or not he's doing things that other boxers at the moment at least since Floyd Mayweather have been unable to do and as much as I don't like Jake Paul and as much as I've never been a fan of his whole gimmick as soon as I learned that oh he's taking this very seriously and he has all of these ambitious goals and he's doing everything he said that he would do it's hard not to uh it's hard not to um to uh to a discount if you will it's not it's not hard to see where he's coming from because truly he wants to make a career out of it no matter if you like him or you don't and i think as long as he's putting butts and seeds that's really all he cares about because he's just watching the money roll in and honestly at his age who can blame him so uh yeah
1: So you brought up the name Conor McGregor, Zan. And I'm going to throw out this question because you threw out this question when we tried to record the first time and had technical difficulties, Zan. So if Conor McGregor loses his next fight to Michael Chandler, do you think there is a chance, especially if Jake Paul is able to get a win back in his next fight, no matter if it takes place around the same time as McGregor versus Chandler, or if it takes place at the end of the year, if Paul is able to get a victory in his next fight, rebound from this loss, McGregor loses this next fight to Chandler, which we've already established last week we think is a bit of a must win for him. Do you think then eventually we will see Conor McGregor versus Jake Paul?
0: It's a good question. Um, And I think there's only one man that can determine that, and that is uh, Mr. Baldfather himself, Dana White and i think uh oh
1: father i love that
0: and uh i think um if, if if mr Dana white uh can figure out the right amount of money that he that he's going to get from this deal he's going to do it cuz remember and i'm going to and i'm going to keep saying it until i'm blue in the face he never he always said for years that he would never get into the boxing business and once the right deal came around for Flay Mayweather and Conor McGregor to lock horns and that whole thing, that whole saga started, he was all in and he was, and he tried to say, Oh, I never said any of that. Well, he had said for years that he was never going to get into the boxing business. I promise you because Dana White's always been about top dollar for maybe about a decade or so. That's how he's, that's how he's operated, whether you like it or not. If he, if he can get the right number, those two to step into a boxing ring whether it's an exhibition a pro boxing match whatever he will do it and he will go out and he will go on his little media crusade and he will say that he never said any of those things even though well, we know it's a bunch of bullshit because people have people have receipts about it but i i promise you he's given the right number that fight will happen i'm hours away under his watch and he and and uh, an MVP can can go to war on a, on a co-promotion quads, uh, if you will.
1: Zen, I'm just like sitting here and thinking about it. I mean, you're talking about co-promotion. I mean, I think an MMA card is out of the picture because I don't see him doing business with Jake Paul now being signed to the Professional Fighters League. Uh, and we've already talked about uh, Dana and his lack of trying to do co-promotions. You had mentioned the other uh, day, Zan, while we were talking about how Jake Paul has been kind of dropped by Showtime. This was his first fight with ESPN Plus pay-per-view. He had been with Showtime and Triller prior to this. And uh, the first couple of fights, Zan, like Askren and the Woodley fight, uh, 500,000 pay-per-view buys each, plus. And then the last couple of ones, the rematch with Woodley, the Silva fight, only about 200 to 300,000. So now you're looking at, I mean, whatever, again, it's kind of frustrating, like not just with this fight, but with all of the uh, pay-per-view cards in general, how ESPN Plus just doesn't give the information about pay-per-view purchases Unless, of course, it's something really big that they want to promote, like when Conor McGregor fights. Uh, On that note, however, uh, yeah, you're right. Dana has said before he wouldn't get into boxing. Uh, He tried with Zufa boxing, Zan, and then he kind of learned the hard way that uh, the pace structure that he wants to have, like in the UFC, is not going to fly when it comes to uh, having to deal with the athletic commissions and the Ali Act.
0: Tom, I'm going to stop you right there. Did he or did he really try with Zuffa Boxing? Because I would argue he barely
1: tried. Yeah, very fair point. He barely tried. Barely got it off the ground. He got.
0: Uh, he got a. He got a T-shirt out of it, and that was about. And that was a Oh, and and it's a T-shirt that few people even still own.
1: <laughs> it's. It's going to be Zan Zuffa Boxing. Is going to be a relic in combat sports. Just like on the same level. That Golden Boy MMA was.
0: Yeah. Although putting Golden Boy MMA. In the same category as Zupa Boxing. Is hilarious in itself.
1: I know. Because it's Dana and Oscar de la Hoya. Uh, Right. Actually Zan. Hold on. I have a message here from Dana. About what you said. You know, trying to, uh, what's it called? Trying to do co-promotion, getting into the boxing and letting McGregor Paul happen here. No, you moron. So, Zan, I know he's basically said a lot of BS. White. I know we talked about with the super boxing that he has said that he doesn't want to do business. He brought up previously Steven Espinoza how uh, the two of them, when they worked with Showtime, with the whole Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor thing, ever since then, those two have run each other's names in the mud and don't want to do business with one another. So I don't know. Dana White and Jake Paul, I don't think, are on the best of terms. I would say not. Um, so I don't know if they would really ever do business. The one thing that I do think is a little easier is that Jake Paul is now a part of the ESPN Plus his first couple of fights were with Showtime, though he did well, and then after a couple of low-performing fights, the fights with, the rematch with Woodley, the Anderson Silva fight, uh, he and Showtime have basically seemed to have parted ways, and now he is with ESPN+. It was, the Fury fight was on ESPN+. So, maybe from that end, maybe the two sides can work together. Um, I do want to throw a note out there, a little breaking the fourth wall kind of note. If you have seen the uh, video feed changed quite a bit. It's because we were in the middle production-wise of our recording of Streamyard, and it continuously failed. So we're basically using Zoom as a uh, fail-safe for right now.
0: Yeah, and this is a subliminal message to Streamyard to uh get their shit together, if you if you will.
1: Well, it sounds um, so subliminal now, is it?
0: um i guess (laughs) i i I guess so but um you brought up you brought up something very interesting in your previous point about the jake paul dana white saga so i have to mention it not only are they not on the best of terms i don't think they've ever been on the best of terms since the night that they met so apparently according to dana white he he went on an interview with robbie fox and he basically revealed to who was known as robbie barstool that the one and only time he ever met Jake Paul was not very pleasant. It was at the Wilder Fury 2 fight in February of 2020. And basically, according to Dana, his seats at uh, MGM that night were messed up. And basically, uh, he noticed that Jake Paul was behind him, and Jake Paul started talking to him. And after Dana White said that his seats were messed up, Jake Paul said something a lot along the lines of, "Oh, keep keep being famous or, so, or, or or something like that." And and that's when Dana White's son he didn't reveal which son it was. More than likely, uh, Dana White the third pretty much tell him uh, who Jake Paul was. And then that's what kind of started the whole firestorm of maybe Jake Paul in Dana White's mind is public enemy number one. We know that that's definitely the case. And as we both know now. Uh, Dana White refuses to talk about Jake Paul and will probably continue to refuse to talk about Jake Paul unless it's with an interviewer that he really likes. In this case, Robbie Fox being someone who's apparently on really good terms with White, one of the few journalists that we can actually say um, is is on those terms. So there's a little bit of the Jake Paul, Dana White beef that most people don't know that Fox was able to get out of him.
1: Oh, speaking of media rampage and speaking of Dana, do you think either one of us are gonna be in his next hit piece that he's hyping up?
0: Uh, maybe you. I don't know about me. It seems like I'm the one that's uh I'm the one that's been getting all his questions answered and uh and and all and all, all that. So who knows, maybe 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 I'll be on the positive side of the media who said if there is a positive side of the video, I would not be surprised if I was included in that video and actually I would to be very grateful as for you i don't know i don't know how much coverage of power slap you've done or haven't done but i haven't, done, to much. I haven't so, done much i haven't done much other than
1: what i've said on here
0: okay hey so i i don't know if they'll include any of this but i know for sure that from the from the uh from the bj pen article they might they might uh they might include what i what i tweeted about it you never you never know <laughs> Um, that would, that would make me, that would make me famous in some respect, but yeah, that media video should be very interesting. Uh, Say and that none like of not summer. already famous. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to be as humble about it as I, as I can without giving too much away, but in all, in all seriousness, if I'm included in it or not, this media crusade video will be very interesting, and if I'm included in it, that will be an added bonus, so. <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, so. Fury and Paul happened many rejoices of Jake Paul finally tasting defeat for the first time in combat sports. He was taking on an actual professional boxer and now we see where Jake Paul goes from here. Zen, we actually had something major happen on the card other than the Paul Fury fight, however. Um so I made a joke last week Zen about if Jake Paul won and if Lungo Makabu was still the cruiserweight champion. And they fought in Saudi Arabia. Would you go flying over there for that? Well, looks like that fight isn't going to happen. Badow Jack is now at the age of 39 a three-weight division champion. He was already a former WBA uh, super middleweight, light heavyweight champion. And now he captures the WBC Cruiserweight Championship, 12th round TKO of Makabu and the co-main event.
0: Yeah, very impressive performance from Badao Jack. Um I've been watching him fight since 2017 when he was on the Mayweather McGregor undercard. So to see him at 39 years old still beat, you know, high level fighters, high level prospects, whatever you want to call them, uh, is very impressive. And he went great. Um, he won pretty much every single round of the fight. He may have lost one or two rounds um, in, in in that 12 round affair. Um, Makabu is really couldn't get off first. It seems like Badao Jack just did the better range, had the better punches, hurt him with a lot more. Um, I'm sure the significant strike count well, well close did favor Badao Jack in certain areas, but just overall, a very impressive performance, and a guy that you got to keep your eye on as 2023 rolls along because uh he proved once again that age is just a number, and we'll see how he does now that he is the Cruiserweight Champion, and there's going to be guys gunning for him, and uh yeah, we'll see. We'll see where he goes from here, but definitely a very impressive performance and a fight that I think you and I uh, were very much looking forward to, and that lived up to the hype as well. So congratulations, congratulations to Bedau Jack on a tremendous win and beating a guy um, of of, Maca- uh, um, of Macau's caliber. Um, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes from here. But again, a very impressive performance.
1: I mean, Zan. Just goes to show you that sometimes it's not so much about the age. Sometimes it's about the experience. This whole thing about uh, combat sports being a young man sport. I mean, it often does ring true, but sometimes, Sam, sometimes experience does win out. And, Sam, I think he kind of had the added bonus of the 12th round TKO. I thought, okay, maybe he's going to cruise to a decision here. We were messaging with one another. We said, uh, but that Jack might actually pull this off. And we but uh, I thought he was gonna just cruise to the decision and then twelfth round happened and he just started whopping. I'm like, oh, okay. Forced the referee to step in. Uh yeah,
0: again, a very um a very a good win for Badao Jack. For the hardcore boxing fans, it's not a surprise he was able to win a fight of that caliber. And again, and as we both keep alluding to age is just a number, and it'll be interesting to see where he
1: goes. We also had, Zan, some MMA action over the weekend, particularly we had with Bellator, which was the card I was most excited for, Uh, Yaroslav Amosov. Zan, 366 days prior to the day that Bellator 291 took place was the day of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and that was, of course, Zan, what led to him pretty much putting his MMA career on hold, going to defend his country alongside the likes of Alexander Yusik and Volchenko and everybody else who, and a couple of other uh, Ukrainian fighters, but they, but you saw the different pieces in about how they encouraged him to go back. He does. And he puts on a masterclass performance against Logan Storley. Storley was just not in this fight from the beginning.
0: No, he was not in the fight from the beginning. And, uh, what made it impressive was just how Amosov was able to do whatever he wanted. And literally, if you have not watched this fight, go back and watch the highlights because he literally just outclassed him, as Tom alluded to, from the second the fight started, uh, wrestling, kickboxing, um, strikes, uh, potential finishes in nearly every round. Whatever he wanted to do, historically, he did. And it also included in your way fourth round finish, which he was unable to get. It goes to show I was seasoned. We, uh Tough story is how much of a veteran that guy is in Bellator, but Amosov was just simply the better welterweight, and um, I, I think we both know how we feel about this. I think Amosov is definitely top 10, but n- no offense to any of the Bellator pundits out there, but to me, when you compare the level of competition, excuse me, that Amosov has faced compared to the likes of The UFC's Kamaru Uzman, Leon Edwards, Hamza Jamayev, Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, what have you. It's not on the same level. So I do think that while Amosov may be the best 170-pounder in Bellator, he is certainly not the best welterweight in the world. I I would argue that he's top 10. Anything above number 6 I think is incorrect in my opinion. And truly, I think we're not going to know if Amosov really is the best until he makes the transition to the UFC, if he ever does make that transition. But I will say this, um, pound-for-pound rankings in the welterweight division, Amosov has earned his rightful place in the top 10, and I don't think there's any doubt about it.
1: Yeah, so what Zan is also referring to is basically how many of Bellator praisers, how many commentators have said that they feel that he is the Yaroslav Amosov by way of his title defense against Logan Storley is the top welterweights in MMA. Like you, Zan, I disagree. Zan, at this point right now, if you're asking me for personal preference, I would say neither welterweight champion is number one. I think it's still Usman. Usman had won most of that fight against Leon Edwards. I think, ultimately, Zan, we are going to find out a true answer to this whole Usman-Edwards saga on March eighteenth Windows two finally meet in UFC two hundred eighty six with the title on the line once again. We'll find out who is the true uh who is the true king of the one hundred seventy pound division over in the UFC there. Um I think Amasov doesn't compare to either of those guys. Uh Colby Covington, I still would pick Covington over him. Who I would
0: I would still, I would still pick Hamzat over him too, to be honest with you.
1: You would still pick Hamzat, really.
0: I, I would, yeah, I would. I just think his wrestling, would, if they ever, if they ever fought, I think Hamzat would out wrestle him for twenty five minutes.
1: And who was the other one you put in the top five? Because uh, had-
0: Gilbert yeah. Gilbert Burns.
1: Oh yeah, Gilbert Burns. Yeah, I would put Gilbert Burns over Hamasov uh, as well. The only one that I would question is uh, Hamzat. But I definitely think that Amasov is a top ten. He's definitely—I uh, forgot which Bellator PR person that I follow. It said that he will be—you know you he will hear it for him. If Amasov is not in your top seven, I would put him in my top seven. I would just uh, put him at number five, six. It was—it—it uh,
0: was—it uh, was—it was CJ. It, it was, was CJ.
1: CJ. Yeah, it was CJ. I, I would put. Yeah, him and then, in and five, then, six, and the- seven.
0: And then and then Fidel Fidel's claim was that Armusov is the best weight in the world, and I'm like, as much as I like Bellator, I don't think I don't think I don't
1: think that's right. I, lo- <laughs> I love I love Michael, but I love Michael, but no.
0: And then I and then I got totally roasted by Josh Thompson, and his counterclaim to that is that American Top Team is the best gym in the world, and I didn't reply to him, but I'm like, that's not what I tried to say. But <laughs> okay,
1: that's. That's not the point, Josh.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, none the, nonetheless, I do think Amosov is one of the best welterweights in the world. Uh, number one, that remains to be seen. The, I think that can only be proven if he ever decides to go over to the, uh, to the MMA worldwide leader, the three letters, if you will. Um, but uh, for the moment, a good win for Amosov. Uh, a lot to be excited about with him. A lot of fresh matchups that you can I'll do. just
1: say... I'll just say I wish this card had a little more promotion. I mean, we saw the Jake Paul fight kind of get all the promotion in the world for on the UFC card. Now granted, I think if Dana White had any say, it wouldn't be there wouldn't be any promotion of the Jake Paul fight during the UFC card. I think that's more an ESPN call. And that is also- what he
0: that is what he clarified in his interview with Robbie Fox that that was a full network decision that was not a UFC decision.
1: And, and granted, you know, whenever you watch the UFC on ESPN Plus, it gets annoying seeing the same commercials over and over and over again.
0: Um, that's true. Unless you know other ways other other ways around it, uh, that, that that's that, that's true. You're not you're not wrong. <laughs>
1: um, but I just wish you know. Some of some more attention was had to Amasov because I get it, he's not a Kamaru's and he's not anything like that. But I mean, he had an incredible story. I think Showtime did an incredible piece on him and talking about the war, talking about defending his country. That video footage and of him grabbing the welterweight championship from his mother's basement. Um PT Carroll, I, I even tweeted PT's story. I thought PT did an incredible job. Uh, yeah,
0: you know, PC, like, yeah, Carroll's story was good, um, Nolan King's interview oh, was yeah. good, um, Amanda Guerrero's um, interview on the podcast was very well done, there were a lot of good pieces about that fight, and about off ahead of that fight that should be credited and should be cherished, and yeah, I, I agree with you on the promotion side, like, I barely knew that the fight was at 11 a.m., um, until oh, I rechecked my email and we needed to see the start time of when the fights actually uh, began. And again, and I think we're going to keep saying it. You know, Bellator's promotion is something that they really have to beef up because unless it's like a huge card with a big name like Fedor, and unless it's a card that's physically in my home state, there's a good chance I don't know when it is. I don't know what time it starts, and unless I have it in front of me. And unless it's grilled in my face over and over and over again, like the UFC is, I won't know. I won't know when they are, and I won't know when they start. So, um, that maybe, I, I maybe that's say, just, then, maybe say, maybe that's just my implicit bias, me being a UFC homer at heart. But it's truly, it's truly how I feel. If there was better promotion. I would know when the Bellator cards were.
1: So I, I will say there one positive I have is Bellator seems to. Because we talk about the UFC's issues of staying in Vegas. Well, Bellator likes to branch out to international waters. And any anytime they go over to England or they go over to Ireland like they did for Bellator 291, I mean, the crowd is just so lively.
0: Yeah, um, they know how to get out. They know what to get out of an international crowd. And that is something I will give them a ton of credit for. And it's truly awesome to see. Well, good on them for that. A lot of people came out to see those fights and Dublin was the place to be uh that weekend.
1: All right, so so let's talk about the let's talk about the UFC card that happened this past weekend. So uh yeah, that Kryla versus uh Span fight was excellent now, wasn't it? <laughs> uh yeah, I see so her, I see her. So excellent that Dana White confused the main event.
0: Yeah, I see your sarcasm. So for those who don't know um, the Krylov versus Span main event was canceled mid card because of a because of an issue um, with Krylov's Le- stomach, um, which is which is a bummer. We, we wish him a speedy recovery. So with that being said, uh, the co-main event uh, between Muniz and Brendan Allen was moved to the main event. And uh, as I correctly predicted last week, Brendan Allen took care of business, won the fight. And yours truly actually did very well on his picks as to be going seven and three. So I'm pretty darn proud of myself for that.
1: I am hitting myself for not taking Brendan Allen. It was the one fight. It it was going well. Everything was going well. I was going undefeated. And then Andre Munez walked out to Eminem. And I said, oh, no. The Eminem curse strikes.
0: Well, congratulations on nearly going undefeated. That's something I could not do. Um, the one, the one big one that I lost was the Montana day where we to fight because I didn't think Tatiana Suarez was going to win in the fashion she did. But um, congratulations, that's probably your best UFC picks record of twenty twenty three so far.
1: It's my best of all time, I think. Uh, I got to give credit to Brendan Allen though; just seems to be in a league above of Muniz. He uh Allen has won, let's see, six of his last seven now. The his only loss in this seven fight stretch, uh, Zan, is to Chris Curtis. Prior to that the losses were against uh the loss was to Sean Strickland. And I mean, he definitely I know there was at one point Zan where he kinda struggled. Yeah, the whole idea of maybe Brendan Allen fighting Ian Hearns. he had Sean Strickland loss, which was a little devastating, but He's been he's been on a roll. And now that he's won four straights, I think he's getting back Zan to that I mean he I was gonna getting back into that contender status. He's ranked number twelve as of as of uh, Monday. But I could see Zan his next fight. I think he can go past the top ten. I think he can with the right fights and the right performance in his next fight, he can bring himself to top eight, top seven, maybe even top seven. <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, and that leads me to my next question. Who doesn't have a fight booked in that division at the moment?
1: Sam, that's a good question. So, obviously, we've got Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira, who've got their big rematch coming up in um, April. So, they're both booked. We've got Robert Whittaker, uh, Jerry Cannoneer, Marvin Vittori, Derek Brunson, Paulo Costa, Sean Strickland, Deleese, I know Brunson has a fight booked. He's going to be fighting Drickus Duplassi, who's ranked number 10. So They're both out. Uh, ranked above Brendan Allen immediately at number 11 is Imavov. number 9 Hermanson, number 8 is Deliz, 6 is Costa. I mean, do we want to throw Allen to Hermanson? Um,
0: That's a big step up in competition, but hey, when you beat a guy convincingly by submission, a guy that you know, a lot of people were high on and a lot of people were betting on and you're fighting a guy of Hermanson's caliber that's only fought the best in the world and always comes to fight and headlines tons of UFC Apex cards. I think it makes a ton of sense to uh, to make that fight either May or June at the Apex um, as, a, as a main event. I really I really do.
1: Because um, that's my first thing I see. I'd see maybe Allen versus Hermanson because he's ranked number nine right now or D'Aleese because he's ranked number eight. And I don't know if Deleese wants to fight against somebody who just recently wasn't ranked like Allen was.
0: Yeah, I don't think Deleese would want to do that. He doesn't seem like the guy who would want to fight unranked fighters. Uh, with him being a ranked fighter, but we'll see what we do. But don't be surprised if Brendan Allen's next fight is a real five round main event and not a. Uh, I'm not going to say a practice, but a, uh, but a, um, but a, um, a watered down three round. Last minute main event, if you oh, because by the way, when's the last time you saw a three round main event? It's probably been several years. That's probably, I want to say,
1: oh, sorry, I was gonna say, I want to say the Israel Adesanya, uh, Anderson Silva fight from 234, unless there was something during the um, COVID times.
0: Well, let's answer this question, uh, right now. So, you just referenced UFC 234. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that was a three round fight. So good, <laughs> good job.
1: <laughs> like I said, the only thing that I could think of that it wasn't that was something that happened during the pandemic.
0: Um, definitely, if, if that's the case, it was without a doubt a non pay per view card. Yeah. Um, it had to, it had to have been, but uh, nonetheless, very impressive win for Brendan Allen. A very impressive win for Tatiana Suarez. Overall, the card I thought was. Pretty entertaining given its uh lack of star power. It was a good uh hardcore card and uh Trevor Peak man was very, very impressive, knocking out Eric Gonzalez. Yeah. That that was probably the most impressive win outside of the Tatiana Suarez performance. Do you think that was the last we see of the Ghost Pepper in the UFC?
1: I wanna say I wanna hope not, but there's always that distinct possibility. I will say though, I'm more hype about Peak now though. Like, and everyone seems to be. I feel like this is going to be, this is going to bring Peak a lot of momentum. I think Tatiana Suarez gets a lot of momentum back now. She's ranked, I think, at number 13 at this point. And Zan, I only think she's going to zoom her way back up the flyweight ranks quickly towards a title shot.
0: Yeah. And maybe, and back to Trevor Peak, maybe Trevor Peak is peaking at the right time, if you will. <laughs> um, but in all in all seriousness though, that's one of the most impressive um UFC debuts that you'll ever see, no matter no matter who it's against. And uh he's got he's got some serious power. I'm excited to watch his next fight. It should be very interesting. And uh I think that was one of the big highlights of uh one of the OG Apex cards that maybe not a lot of people will remember, but it was one of the that was one of the uh one of the highlights that people will look back on for UFC Fight Night 220 for sure, um, or better known as UFC Vegas 70. Speaking of the Vegas theme, the UFC will remain in Vegas for the next two events. Coming up on Saturday is the long-awaited return of John Jones at UFC 285, bulking up to heavyweight his first appearance in the UFC in three years. This time he's in a completely new weight class. Francis Ngannou is out. Cyril Ngannou is in. It's the vacant UFC heavyweight championship, Tom. It was leaked by the T-Mobile Arena a couple months ago. Now <laughs>
1: we're
0: at now we're at the week of a John Jones fight, Tom. What is your excitement level slash ner- nervous nervous level as uh and this goes out? We will be three days away from the long-awaited return of uh, Dana White's pick for the greatest of all time.
1: And I think that's going to be an interesting debate because I think that debate's going to find itself. You know, rearing its head one way or another. After this weekend, we've got—I'm pretty excited. For example, we've got two eighty-five this weekend, and then Zan. The week after that, we've got a card on March 11th that is not going to take place at the Apex. It's going to take place at uh, what's it? The theater, the, the theater at Virgin Hotels. Virgin Hotels, yes. And I and I was thinking, Zan, that's kind of like one of those old school fight night cards with the uh, UFC. You know, uh, when the Spike TV days, the fight nights, when it's at the Palms and such.
0: Yeah, and we actually got a real answer to that question as to why those fights will be at the Virgin Hotels. It's because the Power Swap finale will be at the UFC Apex that same night. So the UFC will air first, and then the Power Swap finale live on Rumble
1: uh, will air. Yeah, not on pay-per-view anymore. Not on pay-per-view, on Rumble.
0: Yeah, so you, um, this is not, not an endorsement, but you can sign up for Rumble today. It's free if you want to watch uh, the first annual Power Slap season finale. Uh, nonetheless, going back to UFC 285, this is a star studded card. A lot of huge names on this card, of course, topped off with two title fights. Tom, we had Dylan Rush on here about a month ago. Oh, he does a lot of work. He's currently working for Cage Side Press and also has his own independent brand going on where he does several fighter interviews every single week i don't know uh, how that kid even sleeps and just running around with him for three hours in phoenix was a thrill it was really fun to hang out with him and he gave his bold prediction that he believes that Cyril Gunn will be the man to not only defeat john jones but knock out the, he's supposed the greatest of all time tom stylistically this is a very interesting matchup do you expect this fight to go similarly to Gon versus Francis? Or do you think that this fight will be a completely different fight where we don't really know what John Jones to expect, but we hope for sure that Cyril Ghan will be letting his hands fly the second the fight starts?
1: I think God will definitely let his hands fly. Um, I would say, Zan, this could end up on a similar path to Francis and Ghanu versus Cyril Ghan. I think Zan this is actually a better matchup for John Jones than a Francis Ngannou fight was. I, I would I agree. Was, I, I was very concerned, Zan. If I was sitting here today, and we had the fight that we all thought we were going to get in John Jones versus Francis Ngannou for the heavyweight title, I would have said Ngannou would knock Jones out. Kind of on the similar path that Rush was going on, because Ngannou had all that power. But and Ngannou is not here anymore in the UFC. So, we've got this fight, and Zan... The thing that with Gone and the thing that from the appearances that we've seen of John Jones, granted we haven't seen him as a heavyweight in the outcome, but just thinking about his appearances, how different he looks, muscle wise, when it comes to, uh, you know his muscle mass and how he looks and everything, I feel like Zen, this is going to be kind of a mirror match. I mean, both these guys, Zen, are tall, lanky individuals, and they both are both have you know, great grappling. They both can know how to let their hands fly and have power. Have demonstrated power. So, I think Zan, this is going to be, like I said, a better, more interesting matchup. Uh, a more interesting matchup, and I think Zan, a better matchup for John Jones in his favor. I, I obviously, I say a better matchup. I, I think Zan. I speak for both of us when you say we want, we wish we would have had the Jones versus Nganu fight, but. Obviously those are not the stars that we have been blessed with.
0: No, they're not the stars we've been blessed with. And uh kind of going off your point though, you know, it is a big fight. Um, you know, everybody's gonna be out to see John Jones, but for the hardcore MMA fans, and and you and I know this better than anyone, there's a special um vibe around the months of March, November. December, well, I'm skipping over a month, so let me rephrase. There's a special vibe in the UFC around the months of uh, March, July, November, and December. You could even argue October's in there as well. This feels like one of the first big UFC events of the whole year, and it's super justified. I mean, if you look at not just the John Jones fight, but the whole card, uh, Cody Garbrandt versus Trevin Jones. We have uh, Valentina Shubchenko. Defending her flyweight title against Alexa, Grosso. Alexa Raso is trying to become the first female um Mexican UFC champion, which would be unbelievable if that were to if that were to happen. Um, you've got the likes of Bo Nickel making his long-awaited UFC debut and fighting a no-slouch opponent in Jamie Pickett. It, it's a very it's a solid card, and it's a card that I think is getting the buzz that it deserves. But this feels bigger than what the promotion is turning out to be. This feels like a real headlining it on the top of the bill, assuming he makes it to Saturday night. I think it's going to be what the UFC is hoping for. And then, which is the backup fighter for this fight, you also have Steve Amiocic as a potential next opponent for the winner. The, the Outside of Francis and Francis's departure, as sad as it may be for some, The stars are aligning for the UFC, and this is going to turn out to be a star-studded weekend in Vegas and uh, one of the biggest fights of the year so far. Last weekend, you get Paul versus Fury, and this weekend, you get the return of John Bones Jones. So you you can't really ask for much more than that.
1: So, Zan, that now leaves us with, we look at this uh, John Jones versus Cyril Gunn fight. Uh, Jones, by the way, Zan, making a claim, that Francis Ngannou basically went running. What What do you think of those claims that basically Francis Ngannou left and is basically chickening out by leaving the UFC?
0: It's an interesting claim uh, coming from a guy who always gets in legal trouble all the time and is quote unquote r- running from his own demons. So I think that's uh, I think that's a little bit counterintuitive on the part to Jones I had to take a dig at his past history because it's hard not to look at his legacy and not just see the things inside the octagon but but outside of the octagon uh but on on the other side of that um Jones did say that you know Francis was gonna do what he was gonna do and that's exactly what he did in terms of him running away um at the same time it's hard uh it's hard to uh it's hard to disagree in in a sense because if you think about it um Jones was out um for 3 years you know and obviously you didn't um obviously during those 3 years Francis was the champion so in terms of him running from the fight i could see Jones's point of view but personally i do think that you know given given uh Jones's past history he's being a little bit hypocritical when He makes a claim like that, considering uh, how his past has gone, in my opinion.
1: And, Zan, to add on top of it, I think Francis Ngannou, now this is another thing, Zan, where you could argue one way or the other for the same reason, is taking a bigger risk by not taking the Jones fight and by leaving the UFC. Because, obviously, you know, we were talking about in January, we're about a month later, Zan, still no word on what's next for Francis Ngannou. It still seems like boxing is going to be the next venture, but there's nothing set in stone. And the question is going to be how much longer we have to wait for uh, Francis Ngannou to get some sort of fight off, whether it be in MMA or whether it be in boxing. Um, as far as the legal troubles goes then, I think personally for me, this is what keeps me debated on whether I truly think John Jones is the greatest of all time or not. Because you look at say the other person who is considered a goat, George St. Pierre, and he has been a he's not doesn't have the undefeated record like Khabib, or the supposed undefeated record. Obviously, Jones has the one disqualification loss. Of controversially, he has had a co- quite a few controversial decisions over the last couple of years. I mean, over the last couple of years of his active MMA career, I should say. Um, I think. Even though there's that, Zan, I think GSP is still the class act figure, Wallace Jones, as you mentioned, running a, running away from the law a lot, running away from his demons. So my question, Zan, is that is the GOAT status for John Jones on the line in this fight? Uh, if he wins, does he solidify himself as the GOAT despite the legal troubles, even if you believe it now? If he loses... Does he lose the GOAT status?
0: Um, it's hard to say, but you'd have to factor in the answer of yes, just considering the time he had off. So to not fight for three years and what he could have done in those three years and then to come back, like not even half of his level of, uh, as Jones, not even a not even a decade, I don't think. And, th- and that would be kind of a, a, a bad knock on his career, knowing that he'll be remembered. Uh, if he does lose that his first real loss to a guy that, you know, really didn't have the same caliber of experience of, let's say, a leota Machida or Shogun Hua or something like
1: that. Certainly. Certainly the case. So, Zan, let's get right to it. I mean, if you want my opinion, Zan, I think it's very well possible. Like, I think the other thing that John Jones is missing, which GSP has, is that the second title. I mean, even... Jones's own arch nemesis of Daniel Cormier has the second belt to him. Obviously, this would not be for champ champ status, but if Jones has the ability to say, you know, I technically beat DC twice, uh, it's only technically one time now because of no contest for 2017, you know, never truly lost in the octagon, have the two titles, you know, because only a handful of fighters have even won championships in two divisions in the UFC, let alone just hand it. Uh, holding them at the same time Um, correct so i think this is the opportunity zan for despite all the troubles despite all the to use an ice cream comparison all the rocky road sunday that's around it this is the chance for john jones to put the cherry on top because if he wins a second division championship and he beats cyril god especially after this kind of layoff i think zan that could be even to those who think GSP, unless somebody is diehard, you know, know the legal troubles matter. This fight on on Saturday night, if he wins, even some of the biggest GSP fans might have to say John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time.
0: Uh yeah, very well said. Um okay, very quickly, just given the interest of time, uh my prediction for this fight is Jones, uh by decision uh forty eight forty seven, but very close. And he just ekes out the fourth round, which gives him the win. And maybe he runs in the fifth round, but still does enough to win the fight.
1: It would, Zan, it, it doesn't seem like it would be a John Jones fight if nothing like that happened, a close fight that ends very controversially. So I'm going to actually 100% agree with you, my friend. John Jones, by decision, becomes heavyweight champion.
0: Sounds good to me. Moving right along to the co-main event, we have the return of Valentina Shevchenko, who's taking on Alexa Grasso, someone who's been super underrated in that division for the last several years. Without a doubt, Valentina's toughest test, although Tyler Santos would have something to say about that. Um, More than likely, the winner of this fight will get Aaron Blanchfield because in that same interview with Robbie Fox, Dana White alluded to the fact that Tyler Santos does not want to come to the United States right now. So more than likely, whoever wins this fight will be fighting Aaron Blanchfield next in the next uh, uh, remdition of the Strawweight Championship. Tom, as much as I think Rosso has the tools to win this fight, especially with the grappling, I just think it was too good and she, he's going to find a way to finish her within the first three rounds. I just think Rosso will be overwhelmed and she won't know what to do. What do you think?
1: I agree. I actually feel kind of sad because we talked about it in previous weeks, and that we feel like Talia Santos did beat Valentina Shevchenko in their fight. That she should get some sort of rematch. Um, kind of sucks that she ended up getting injured. That Aaron Blanchill had to uh, had to fight um, with Jessica Andrade instead when Santos was supposed to main event. And then basically, as you mentioned, she doesn't want to come to the United States right now, which is just complicating things feels sad because it feels like she should be in there. Um, however, this might be a little bit of a controversial statement, but I think the pressure's on Shevchenko in this fight because of that I do horrible, too. horrible I performance do too. incentives.
0: I do too, and uh, if she doesn't win, then the rematch isn't saved that the UFC arguably wants. So, yeah, she's in a must-win situation <laughs> for sure because then if she loses, you're in a bit of a kerfuffle be is what do you what do? you Do Do you make Rosso versus Shevchenko too? Probably not. So more than likely, Shevchenko, the pressure is on her to win the fight. But uh, nonetheless, I do think she wins. And again, as I alluded to, I think it'll take her three rounds to do it at the very least. And I think she'll defend her belt.
1: Yeah. Do you think, Zan, I mean, credit to Grosso, She's on a one, two, three, four, four fight win streak, won five her last six. Her only loss in this span, Zan, is to Carla Sparza, who's a two-time uh Shawway champion. uh do you think Zan Shevchenko is in a situation that you said high pressure, must win? Do you think it's must finish? No.
0: I think as long as she wins the fight and as an impressively, even if it's a one sided decision, um, I think it'll solidify her. It's not only the best flyweight ever, but it'll give her a chance to potentially rematch Kyla Santos whenever she's ready to fight, or to have her fight uh Nune- as once again, which, you know, who really wants to see that at this point, given how the previous fights between the pair have gone. But at this point, she's run out of so many challengers that you have very few options uh, left for her. And ultimately, I think she could retire um, with her only losses being to Nunes, which would be very impressive. And I really don't think we're going to see much of Shevchenko any longer, um, as there are fresh matchups, which Aaron Blanchfield... Might end up being the freshest matchup possible if the UFC can get it done.
1: Okay. So if you're not, if you don't want to see Shevchenko Nunes, and it seems like Dana White and company don't want to see that fight happen too, and let's say Shevchenko gets past Aaron Blanchfield. Given the fact that Aaron Blanchfield Jessica beat Jessica Andrade, who was gunning for the Strawway title, let me throw a super fight out there, a different kind of super fight. What if we saw Whaley Zhang move up? and challenge Shevchenko for the flight. Well, fight. This, is,
0: this is a fight that Dane has been hinting at for years, and when the opportunity is there, there's no way they won't jump on it. That's
1: what I'll say. I thought my, th- my hint was, Zan, was if Shevchenko rebounds in this and beats Aaron Blenchfield, considering Andrade lost that fight to Blenchfield, I think the opportunity is coming much sooner than we think it is.
0: Agreed. Uh, nonetheless, we're both picking Shevchenko, two-defender strawweight title, um it should be hopefully a very impressive performance for her as uh she always puts on masterpieces every single time she fights minus that lackluster performance uh in singapore uh as june but nonetheless uh um, what tom and i of...
1: no we, we we both agree but uh what kind of uh do you see a finish did you say third round or yes uh
0: th- third round tko
1: mm-hmm. okay um I kind of want to agree with you, but this is also Valentina. Actually, you know what? No, I'll go two for two with you. I'm going to agree. Third round TKO. I was very tempted to say maybe second in the hopes of getting a bigger rebound, but I'll go with Yeah,
0: I I think Rosso surprisingly wins the first round and Shemchenko will go back to the corner and realize what adjustments she'll need to make. And the rest of the fight will be completely her way, in my opinion.
1: All right. Um on uh the undercard well not undercard the main the rest of the main card the non-title fights you got Jeff Neal taking on Shavkot Rachmanov, Zan this is I think a huge opportunity for Shavkot Uh, looking at his previous opponent history, he fought Neal Magny, and I think Jeff Neal is another step up in competition. If at a, if not Zan did at a minimum just at the same level, I think this is a big opportunity for him, for Magny I mean for uh, Neal. Maybe kind of a, I mean, he's won, he lost to Stephen Thompson at the end of 2020, lost to Neil Magny in 2021. He has rebounded with women's over Santiago Ponzinibbio, Vicente Luque. Big things for the winner of this matchup, I'd say.
0: Yeah, no offense, but I do think Jeff Neal is a gatekeeper at 170 pounds. And this is a perfect matchup for Shavkat to go in there and beat a big name on pay-per-view.
1: Well, I was going to say, is this a must win for me or is this a must win for either competitor?
0: I think it's a must win for Neil more than Shavkot. I think Shavkot could lose a very close decision and his, and his stock won't go down at all. And if you think about it, if you look at them stylistically, they fight very similar. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be a very entertaining fight, a potential fight of the night candidate, no doubt about it, as well as the fight between former champion Cody Garbrandt and uh, Trevin Jones too. For sure.
1: Um, What's gonna be your prediction? Because I'm gonna go with Rockmanov.
0: Uh, yeah, I like Rockmanov to win in the second round uh, by knockout. I think he, I think he stops Jeff Neal early in the second round.
1: Uh, let's see, think. I mean, he's got a very big finish history. Um, I'm gonna agree with Rockmanov wins. I think then, I think I think it's gonna be a little different. I'm gonna say like just like the Neal Magny fight, second round submission.
0: Okay, that's a solid uh, pick. So you're going to go with the uh, with the consistent trend, if you will. But overall, great fight. Again, as I alluded to just a moment ago, I do think that is a potential fight of the night uh, candidate in a fight that I think a lot of people are sleeping on, just given how big the top two fights on the main card are. So there's that. So we're both picking Rachmanov. So, so far, we have the same identical picks and are three for three.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Matus Gamrot. Going to be taking on Jalen Turner. This is going to be the, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, seven fight for the former KSW star. He is coming off of the loss to Benil Dariush, which snapped a four-fight win streak. And then you've got Jalen Turner, who always knows how to entertain. He's on a five-fight win streak himself. Although I think this is, no disrespect to somebody like Brad Riddell, this is probably probably his biggest test, or at least his biggest test since facing Visante Luque. So uh, do you see this being must win for Jalen Turner or Matuze Gamrot?
0: Oh, Matuze Gamrot, for sure. He wants to stay in that title conversation. Um, He lost in the main event at UFC fight night last June in a very close fight, a fight that was uh, hotly debated in terms of the scorecards. I think both of us had, Gamrot winning that fight anyway or mm-hmm. well, it's a fight that he probably really wants to have back at some point in the future um, but I do think that it's a must win for Mateos uh, Gamrot if Jalen Turner loses while well, that will snap a five fight win streak I think it goes to show that Jalen Turner can hang with the best in the division I do think Gamrot wins in a very close uh, split decision and it goes the distance
1: yeah I know some people are harsh in saying that Jalen Turner might be on the cut list of this loss, but oh no, that's no, no, sorry, not Jalen Turner, that's Jamie Pickett, which I'll get to in just a little. Bit. Yeah, I was,
0: I was, I was, I was like, wait, hasn't Jalen Turner won a bunch in a row? That not Yeah, that's line. why I was
1: confused when I saw the win streak. I'm like, wait a minute, no, he's one fight. I'm like, oh no, that's Jamie Pickett. Um, but yeah, no, this is going to be an entertaining fight. And as much as Patus Scanrot has his wins, as much as he was a case, I think San Jalen Turner. And his power and such, and his body. I I think he's gonna surprise, and. Hmm. But I don't know if I would go with a decision. You are you saying Gamrot by decision? Yeah. Oh, you're saying Cam Gamrot by decision. Um, man, this is a tough one for me. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm gonna go Turner by split decision. Okay, so we're split on that. Um, we're, split, we're split on that, but we agree on a split decision.
0: Uh, agreed. Uh, two, two, two more fights I wanted to go over with on this card, if that's cool. I think Cody Garbrandt is in a must-win situation on Saturday. What do you think?
1: Yeah, that's the other name. So, like, I that's the other name I was hearing about a must-win situation. Cody Garbrandt has lost four of his last five. And then Trevin Jones, I mean, he's lost uh, his last three So. Kakramanov to Basharat and Barcelos. Zan, I think this is pro-wrestling style loser leaves town. I think loser gets cut in this one.
0: Yeah, and considering how much of a star Cody Garbrandt once was, how he beat Dominic Cruz to win the Bantamweight title, it's sad to see his fall from grace, but uh, can Cody Garbrandt's chin still hold up? I think for this one fight, it can. I think he wins impressively, and I think he wins in the first round. Yeah, Um, I think that's...
1: I think that's what the UFC, honestly, Zan, if you want my honest opinion, is looking for. Giving him a fighter that, you know, he, that they know he could hold his own against. I mean, Zan, I mean, you look at the losses, the five of the last six. It, it, Yeah, I mean, it looks bad, but Zan, Kai Kara France, Rob Font, Pedro Nunes, and TJ Dillashaw. Like, both uh, yeah. bad yeah.
0: Yeah, and all of those guys are either title challengers or former champions, with Dillashaw being the lone former champion on that list.
1: Now so, that being said, if he loses to somebody like Trevin Jones, then yeah, it's definitely it looks bad for him. And Zan, you might even have to consider that like Garbrandt might have to consider the the R word that never really sticks around in MMA, but is always flying out there.
0: Uh, yeah, he's weak could, but nonetheless, I like Cody Garbrandt here. Must win situation against a um a prospect that struggled this late, but is a guy that the UFC probably still has high hopes for, I like Cody Garbrand in that spot, and I think he wins, and I think he wins impressively. It should be a good fight.
1: Mm-hmm. And we've also got, by the way, Zan, we got for the uh, main card, we got Bo Nicol's, a mixed martial arts debut, I mean UFC debut, pardon me, taking on Jamie Pickett, who we already established, Jamie Pickett. I love Jamie Pickett. He was an entertaining interview when I got to interview him for the Contender Series a while back. However, obviously, he hasn't had the greatest UFC tenure. And this is kind of like, you know, as Jamie Pickett is about to go out to the UFC, he's being fed to the wolves. He's being fed to the young guy.
0: Yeah, this is a typical UFC matchmaking move. We've seen it several times over the years, Um, most notably with BJ Penn and Clay Wiedis. So this is nothing new. Um, But I, uh, you know, I think this is a spot where, um, you know, if he... uh, If he doesn't win this fight, he's going to be, Jamie Pickett, that is, he's going to be in trouble. But knowing how high the UFC is on Bo Nickel, coming out of Penn State and the story that he has with him being, you know, an All-American wrestler and all that, and being one of the hottest prospects in MMA, uh, there's no way that Bo Nickel can't go out on a big stage and uh, deliver. He's going to deliver in this fight, and I think he's going to win in devastating fashion. I I think it's only going to take him less than four minutes to do it,
1: too. Yeah, I'm going to go with the first round submission for Bo Nickel.
0: I think so, too. I'm going to be more specific and say first round arm triangle. What do you think?
1: I wouldn't doubt that for a second. Uh, Sam, look at the rest of the prelim card, by the way. There is one other fight that I have my eye on. Zan, I do hear a train coming in the background. It's my Drickus C train taking on Derek Brunson. It's such a big step up, but I'm so excited for this. I think this fight will go one of two ways, Dan. Either Drickus Duplessis will get Derek Brunson out in the first couple of rounds, or he'll tire out quickly, and Derek Brunson will get the decision.
0: I don't have a pick in this fight, but I can tell you this. I think one of these two guys is getting finished before the final bell. That's what that's what I think. I, I don't know which side to lean on, but I just know that someone is getting finished over the other. If you were to put a a, a bullet my head, which would be really bad, literally, but figuratively, <laughs> figuratively if you were to put a bullet on my head, I would say Drake is due plus he wins the fight, but Derek Brunson gives him hell and back for most of it. Um, I, As I just alluded you, I, I don't have a side to pick and I'm going to stick with that, but I do think that um someone is getting finished in this fight. So for a best bet, per se, I would say this fight does not go the distance or if you like the over one and a half rounds, I would side with that too.
1: Uh, for best bets, I mean, Zeno, by the way, just to throw out how good this card is, I mean, Louis Krasbov is going to be starting off the card, the early prelims, you got Jessica Penney on here, Ian Gary is going to make an appearance, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Julian Marcus taking on Marc-Andre Barriol, Viviana Ruggio taking on Amanda Rebas. that should be absolutely fun, uh, for best bets. I'm gonna say
0: I have to I have to correct you. It's actually Amanda He the R is uh, silent. Yeah.
1: Pardon me. Yeah, yeah. Uh I'm going to go with Rachmanov uh as a money line. I would say yeah, Rachmanov for a money line. I would say Latoo's Gamrod, Jalen Turner goes the distance. And yeah, Zan, I wouldn't put wouldn't mind putting some money on a Dricas duplicity finish
0: thats uh be Jones versus zero three and a half rounds. I really like it, just given Jones his previous fight history uh Valentininachenko by finish, and I also like Bo nickel uh to win in uh to win inside the distance uh pretty easily.
1: I like that. I like these bets. It's definitely gonna be a very fun card to watch Zen. Uh, Going off of that, just a couple of news items, by the way, to finish off our show. The long-awaited, anticipated fight by Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia-Zan is official for April
0: 22nd. Yeah, it's done. It's official April 22nd. T-Mobile Arena live on Showtime and DAZN pay-per-view. Couldn't ask for a better fight at this moment for boxing. As we always say, Uh, boxing gets in its own way, but they finally got a deal done for that fight. Um, it's going to be awesome. I don't have an early prediction for the fight, but yeah, I will right. say that. But I will say that um, it's going to be a hot ticket. So it's, when his tickets go on sale, you want to snatch them up immediately. Probably skyrocket, and Las Vegas be the place to be in a, a month's time for the biggest fight in boxing of the year. It should be a star-studded weekend with the celebrities and hopefully a really good undercard. Um, to, uh, to to appetize um, uh, uh, boxing. So overall, I'll be happy to see the fight get done and uh, it should be awesome and the build up should be even better.
1: Yeah, I don't have a fight prediction either, Zan, but I think this is just going to be a really fun fight and it's one that's long anticipated. Uh, Zan, my other question Did you know that Floyd Mayweather fought over the weekend? Uh, I did. You saw it, but I heard if you saw our I heard episode about it last week it
0: didn't seem like way. we did <laughs> yeah i heard about it after our episode from a week ago recorded but uh it's whatever man he's just trying to make, make some extra cash and uh good for him made the london crowd happy made a bunch of money got to still say that he was tpe or whatever um you know he's just he's just gonna do whatever he wants he, you know he likes these one-off fights uh Japan, London, where wherever non-U.S. country he can go to, uh, he's down to go. So, uh good for him, and I'm sure that the guy he fought uh, got a nice little payday himself. And uh, yeah, there, there's the, the there's the clown show for you. I
1: was gonna say, that's Aaron Chalmers. That's a Bellator veteran, my friend was more known for his reality show appearances yes but that's still, a little still better um no yeah. and i
0: and i and i wasn't trying to discount his name either but um if you're not an mma purist like us and you uh and you see the name aaron chalmers your first reaction is who the hell is that so um so um then not trying to discount his name but i wasn't going to say aaron chalmers and the people in my mentions say who the who the hell is?" that and so for you to give an who introduction that guy <laughs> yeah, um absolutely. But uh
1: speaking nonetheless- of Connor speaking of Connor, sorry San, I just couldn't pass up that perfect transition. That's our last story for the evening. So Michael Chandler is accusing Connor McGregor of being drunk and handing out shots of Proper Twelve on the uh tough 31 set. And you've got Dana basically saying, you know, when asked about the cuts that we talked about last week, that basically Connor will get his way with something. So Thank you, Dana White, for confirming something that we already knew.
0: Uh, yeah, thanks to Dana White for that. And uh, as Dana White alluded to at the post-fight press conference for UFC Vegas 70, is that Connor's going to get some things that he wants and he would reset it with a straight face and he tried not to laugh. But uh, there you go. That's Conor McGregor being Conor McGregor. And uh, I will say, fight-
1: that I, there is one thing I will say. I, I hope the tough fighters who did get cut do get some form of compensation for it. I mean, Loic it was supposed to be on there, and now he's going to be opening up the pre- early prelim card for two eighty five. I think Chris Montano was supposed to, was supposed to be on the uh, tough. He, he he was, he was, oh, yeah. and I was a I was lucky enough
0: to see him in person when he fought Sean O'Malley at UFC two sixty four.
1: Yeah, I really hope that Chris Montano, you know, for what he did with that in fight. You know, he gets the chance to, you know, do something, you know, get a fight night book fight book or something like that after having to go through that. I just yeah, I just feel bad. But other than that, I mean we got a really exciting card this weekend, Stan. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, um, I can't wait. And um for those of you who don't know, uh the card is gonna begin a little earlier. It's a four thirty PM Eastern start. With the early prelims taking place on ESPN Plus, followed by the televised prelims on ABC and ESPN, and, and of course, transitioning over to pay-per-view at 10 p.m. Eastern. So it's time to wrap it up. This was a uh, this was a whirlwind of a show to get through, but we got it done um as for a little review, of course. We have UFC 285 on Saturday. Again, that's headlined by John Jones and Cyril Gane for the vacant UFC Heavyweight Championship which means another chapter in the UFC heavyweight title history will take place, whether or not it's an and new for John Jones or an and new for Cyril Gane. And then, of course, we had news and notes uh, later in the episode. And then, of course, the next few weeks for the UFC are going to be jam-packed, of course, with the UFC Fight Night card at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. But nonetheless, uh, that's going to do good for the MMA Outsiders. I'm Zan Bando. That's that's Tom Elmano. Again, you can find my work um, over at com, And you can follow me at SamBando99 across Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at um, MMA Outsiders ETB across Instagram, Twitter, and, and Facebook. And you can also follow um, MT the Bench Network, wherever you get your podcast. More of them on YouTube is where you'll find everything from um, the weekly sports show to fruity cereal and so much more. And, yeah, that's going to do it for for another episode. We're two episodes away from episode 30, if you can believe it, Tom.
1: No, I can't. By the way, you can find my work over at MMA. Follow me at Thomas J. Albano. Uh, And, oh, don't forget to follow the ETV Network across social media as well at ETV Network, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok. So for those of you who crave your little TikTok craze, yes, we're on there too. Uh, Uh, Yeah. That, as I, am I.
0: You can you can find me on TikTok under the same handle at, at Zanbando ninety nine. So that's across Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as well.
1: Perfect. All right, Zan. Let's end this whirlwind of a of a episode week for us for Zanbando Anton Albano. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll see you next time.
0: And of course, before we get out of here, oh. we have one message for everyone. Be Joe, Be Piper. Joe
1: Piper. Take care, everyone.